0: I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of people. And the life everlasting. Amen. We thank you that uh, we can gather together in your presence today. We don't want to neglect or forget the fact that you are with us always. Lord, that um, your son, the Lord Jesus, is the head of the church. He is the true pastor of the church. He is the, um, the groom of the church. And uh, Lord, we gather together with all of your people around the world today also, all the people who have believed in you by faith from the very beginning, from Abraham all the way down to today, to us, Lord, we gather together with all uh, the angels and all the hosts of heaven in your presence to worship you, Lord. So, pray you give us hearts that are open to you to want to hear your word and, Lord, to have real faith in our lives today. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so we are beginning a new series this morning um, called Real Faith, uh, it's a study uh, on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, now, some of you might be getting uh, nervous uh, at this point uh, because the Apostles' Creed is actually not in the Bible, right? And, and uh, that, the Apostles' Creed is what we just heard on that, in that video, um, and some of you didn't know that that wasn't in the Bible, but it, it's not, right? Uh, I'm aware of that. I'm aware that the Apostles' Creed is not in, in the Scriptures as are most Christians who have ever lived. They knew that as well, but they still use it uh, in their worship services and, and in their lives. Uh, the word creed comes from a Latin, the Latin word, I believe. Right, so those are uh, the first words in the, in the Apostles' Creed, but also it, it also uh, says that two other times in the Apostles' Creed. Now, uh, some Christians, they don't like creeds. They don't like confessions, statements of faith or uh, doctrine or anything uh, like that. It makes them really nervous. Uh, they say things like, no creed but the Bible. Uh, maybe you've heard that before. Um, let me mention three things about that type of mentality. First is creeds are in the Bible. So you can't say, well, I just believe in the Bible because there's actually creeds in the Bible. So, for instance, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 uh, it's famously called the Shema uh, from the Hebrew word uh, to hear. It's hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, uh, the Lord is one. So this is Israel's confession of faith. It is their creed. Um, uh, most people believe that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 5 uh, is an early creed or confession of the faith about the gospel as uh, are other passages in, in the Bible. Second, Saying that you believe in the Bible only and you don't believe in creeds or no creed but the Bible, that is a creed, by the way. All right, so it's kind of self-defeating to say, I believe in no creed but, but the Bible uh, is a creed itself. Third, heretics and false teachers also say the same thing. So uh, other groups uh, that claim to be Christians who are false teachers and heretics, they also say, we believe in the Bible only right? But yet they deny the central teachings uh, of the scriptures. So, um, that doesn't work. Uh, others of you, you grew up in, you have a church background, church tradition, and, and you, you recognize what you just heard, Like you, you're, you, you're familiar with the Apostles' Creed, uh, you've heard it, uh, you're, it doesn't bother you uh, very much. So, most Christians, most Christian churches and denominations use the Apostles' Creed uh, on some level. That is, Lutherans, anglicans baptists presbyterians moravians methodists and congregational churches and so on and so forth down down the line right this is you know all those groups that truly believe in in jesus this is the creed is talking about what we have in common our shared beliefs in jesus um i visited some websites of uh some very well known evangelical churches in our country, country, and they all had something uh, on their website to say about the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I'll give you, you would know the church if I mentioned it. Here's what they say For centuries, the Apostles' Creed has united God's people around a clear biblical declaration of Christian belief. So, what uh, around the Apostles' Creed? Uh, scholars believe that it originated sometime uh, around the second century, so around the 300s uh, AD. And it's called the Apostles' Creed because it teaches the Apostles' doctrine. That is, what the Apostles taught. The Creed is saying, okay, this is, this is in a nutshell what the Apostles uh, taught, those earlier, early leaders uh, in the church. Uh, the Apostles' Creed enables you at a glance to see the main points of Christianity. So just by listening to what we heard, to knowing the Creed, it gives you at one glance... The heart, of, uh, a heart of Christianity. And I want you to know my heart for you guys uh, and for our church uh, in this series. My heart is that I want you to know the Bible. That is my heart. You might be thinking, well, we just listen to something that's not in the Bible. Yeah, but it's about the Bible. And I want you to know the Bible, right? Uh, and I want you to have like a GPS system that you can navigate uh, the Bible because the Bible has a lot of different roads, back roads and hills and hollers and little towns. That, you know, and, and has interstates as well, and and the, the Apostles' Creed serves as like a, a interstate highway system to get to um, the destination. I want you to know God, and to live a life that is worthy of Him. So we're going to use the Apostles' Creed as the topics that we will cover throughout this series, but we're going to ground each of those topics in the Bible because the Creed is saying to you, hey. This is what the Bible teaches. So we're going we're to investigate that and see whether that's, that's true or not, right? So the first topic is the first two words, I believe. And I think that's something that we could all agree with. Do you believe? Do you believe in anything? Right? Everybody believes in something, right? So uh, what do you believe in here this morning? Creeds, they are a part of our lives whether we recognize it or not. You have a creed that you live by. Right, they're on our bumpers. Uh, they're in our songs. They're in our movies. Uh, there's a song, a country song by a guy named Jordan Davis, uh, called "Buy Dirt," and this is what uh, the song says: "Cause the truth about it is, it all goes back. It all goes by real quick. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt. That's too, that's real simple. I like that song. Two words, just like the words I believe." buy dirt. All you got to do is just put the words I believe in front of um, uh, The army has the soldier's creed. I'm an American soldier. I'm a warrior uh, and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and uh, live the army values, so on and so forth. People have all kinds of yard signs uh, in their yards just telling you what they believe and telling you if you don't believe them, then stay away from them. Don't go, don't come knocking on their door. Like, people have yard signs that literally say, we believe. That is a creed, by the way. That is a confessional statement. This is their doctrine. We believe. And if you don't believe, stay off my property, right? Um, um, I saw this a while back, uh, something called the Sparkle Creed. This is fun. A female pastor named Ann Helgen of the Edina Community Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota perverted the Apostles' Creed, uh, and she has her own version. And it starts out by saying, I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. Um, The only time that I know of in the Bible where there's a spiritual being whose pronouns are plural, Jesus cast a legion of demons uh, out of an individual who had uh, lost lost their mind because of uh, demonic uh, presence. She said, I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of the one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. Lord, help us. Um, <laughs> a little something about myself. I hate glitter. So words like sparkle, uh, I'm automatically uh, biased towards, uh, against uh, words like sparkle. But if anybody ever uses the word sparkle from this pulpit other than to make fun of it, no, the writing was on the wall a long time ago. You should have left a long time ago, right? Sparkle creed. So whether you're a Christian here today or not, we all have a creed that we live by. That's the point. You believe in something. You have faith. And you don't want to have a fake faith, do you? You don't want to believe in something like the sparkle creed, which is not real and is evil. right? You want to have a real faith, and it, it is a fight to have real faith. That's the big idea. For today. It is a fight to have real faith. Alright? let grounded in the scriptures. Jude chapter, or Jude verse 3, it's only one chapter. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing for you to contend for the faith that was once, uh, that was delivered to the saints once for all. So Jude in this little book, um, it's one chapter by the way, it, it, uh, this little letter uh, that Jude wrote, he was the brother of Jesus, by the way, and wrote this letter to the churches uh, for them to hold on to the faith and to reject uh, false teaching and things like that. And he says here that we are to, uh, to contend for the faith. See that? We're to contend for the faith. Now, when you hear the word contend, what comes to your mind? What came to my mind was a heavyweight contender, right? Like, this is a. This is a a fighter, a boxer, a wrestler or whatever who, who is fighting for the belt or the, or the championship or whatever. So contending is fighting. Now what does this passage say that we are fighting for? It says the faith. Right Now the word faith here is not talking about believing. It's talking about the content of what we believe. That's different. It's talking about what we believe in. This core doctrine Core beliefs that make Christianity um, what it is. And this is exactly what the Apostles' Creed is teaching. It is teaching us about the faith. What is it that we actually believe in? Right? The Apostles' Creed is simple. You could, um, you know, if you're you're crafty, you could etch it onto a piece of of wood and hang it on your wall and have it memorized. Right? Some of you already got it uh, memorized. You could turn it into a piece of wall art uh, or something like that. But it is a fight to have real faith, and this is where the Apostles' Creed actually helps us. So, number one, real faith is a fight against lies. Real faith is a fight against lies. Look at verse 4 of Jude. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth, come into the church. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ our only master and Lord. So Jude is saying, listen, people creep up into the church and uh, they're believing lies and and teaching lies. People tell lies, right? They tell things, they talk about things that aren't true. Teachers, podcasters, news folks, um, social media, politicians, therapists, family, so-called friends. Lies are stealthy, according to Jude. Right? They come in uh, by stealth. See, lies are like a, uh, a special ops team. They come in under the cover of darkness. You're not going to know they're there. Right? They've got the scope on you. You have no clue that they're there. Uh, and they sneak in. Lies seem true. They seem like a good thing. They seem like uh, the right thing. But they are deadly. Let me mention one Big lie that a lot of people believe in our times today, and that is the anti-authoritarian lie. We have a problem with authority in our culture. Not just like authority figures, but uh, the idea of authority itself, the idea of truth, right? People have a problem with truth itself. Truth is what's real, by the way. Truth is what's real outside of you. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. Or what you think about it, it is outside of your mind, your emotions, your body, your feelings. It's out there. It's the real world. Truth is like trying to cross the sidewalk right down, right here with a tractor-trailer coming at you and just saying, well, it's not what I believe. I don't believe that tractor-trailer is bearing down on me uh, right now. It's not my truth. So uh, we say things uh, in our culture today like, well, hey, that's just your truth, right? I have my truth, and you have your truth. And we're all just get along, uh, I guess. But here's the truth. If all there is is your truth and my truth, then there is no truth. Just think about that. All we got, if if all we got is your truth and my truth, then all we got is opinions about things. Personal preferences. Socially constructed ideas and beliefs. So under the cover of stealth, this lie comes even into the church. And Christians are called to contend for the faith, and that means fighting against lies like this, the anti-authoritarian lie. Uh, When it comes to the Bibles, people say things like, well, that's just your interpretation, pastor. That's just your truth. I've got my own interpretation, right? Here's the deal. The Bible has only one meaning. Why don't you think about that for a second? The Bible only has one meaning to it, and that is the meaning that God, what God intended, right? The Bible has the meaning in it that, that God wants in it. We are the ones who get it wrong, right? Uh, but, God, uh, but God doesn't. Uh, we went bowling uh, recently, and there were a lot of uh, gutter balls, right? There were a lot of gutter balls uh, going on. We're not, we're not professional. I can't even do that little hook thing, you know? I can't put any English on it or, or whatever, you know? Uh, but according to the Apostles' Creed, hitting, bowling a strike is knocking down all of those pins. It is knocking down everything that it says uh, in it, right? That's a strike, right? You don't want to bowl bow, uh, a gutter ball uh, with your Christian faith. You don't want to uh, bowl a gutter ball in life because Jude said it leads to certain destruction. And so does the Apostles' Creed. Apostles' Creed says that, that Jesus Christ is coming to, coming back to judge uh, the living uh, and, and the dead, So as Christians, we ought not live by lies, right? We got to contend for the faith. And you know what? That is a command from God by the Holy Spirit to you, not just to me. It is your responsibility as a church to contend for the faith. Um, Ligonier Ministries uh, is a great uh, ministry uh, started by a guy named R.C. Sproul, who passed away a couple years ago, and done a lot of uh, really great uh, work. And they they do something uh, every other year. It's called uh, the State of Theology. It's basically a survey that they send out uh, to a lot of folks just trying to take the theological temperature of the United States. Now, what's interesting is the data or the results that come back about churches, churches like ours here in our community. You guys want to hear some of them? All right, one person does. Okay. It's all good. It's coming. All right, so... uh, Almost three out of four, that is 73%, agree with the claim that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. That is a lie, by the way. So most people in churches believe in a lie. Jesus claimed to be God. He is not a created being. If so, then he cannot save you from your sins. More than half 56% agree that worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church, and that is just a lie because Jesus died for the church, right? And church is an embodied group of people. It is people coming together uh, to worship the living God. Everything that we are commanded to do as a church involves, like, being in each other's presence, such as loving someone else besides yourself, right? Online church is, is not church, Online pastors can't be your pastor because shepherds need to know their sheep, right? An online pastor can't know you, can't help you, can't guide you, can't teach you, can't warn you, right? You, you can't get kicked out of an online church, by the way, unless, you're, unless your internet uh, uh, goes down. More than, more than half, 55% agree that everyone sins a little bit, but most people are good by nature and that is a lie because the creed teaches us that jesus had to die for us it teaches us there is such a thing as the forgiveness of sins it teaches us that there is a judgment to come for sin jesus god's not coming back uh jesus didn't die for good people right? he died he died for sinners more than half, 58%, believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, and that's just a lie. So half of, half of people who attend church believe in a lie. Uh, there's a guy, his name is David Horowitz. He is an, a Jewish-American writer-activist. In 2010, he uh, was invited to the University of California, San Diego uh, by a student group called the Young Americans for Freedom. And uh, he gave a talk there, and afterwards there was a question and answer time, and there was an exchange between uh, Horowitz and a a young lady who was a part of the Muslim Student Association. And he he said to her, listen, I'm a Jew. He said, the head of Hezbollah, a terrorist group, has said that he hopes that we, all Jews, will gather in Israel so that he doesn't have to hunt us down globally. He can just kill them all right there. And he asked her very clearly, for it or against it, to this Muslim girl. She leaned into the microphone and said, for. See, other religions are not all passed to the same God. We have to know that. That is a lie. It is either Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who said, right, you can only get to God through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is either salvation found in Christ or there's no salvation at all. All It's either Jesus Christ, the Savior, or it is utter chaos. And all we got to do is just turn on the news to realize that. Here's what the Creed says. I'm going to put it up here on the screen for you. Jesus, according to the Creed and Scripture, sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from where, from whence He will come to judge the living and the dead. This means that all Muslims are going to stand before God and give an account for him at the judgment unless they repent of their sins and they turn to Jesus as Lord and they renounce their idolatry and they're, they're, they're uh, believing in a demonic activity. All right? This means that everybody in Morgan County, everybody in this room, everybody in Hampshire County, Washington County, Berkeley County, Jefferson County, everybody in Winchester and the surrounding region, unless they repent of their sins and turn away from it and turn to Jesus for salvation, will stand before Jesus Christ to give an account uh, for their lives. This means that every Jew, everybody in the nation of Israel, past, present, future, that does not repent of their sin and believe in the good news will perish. From Jesus said that, by the way. That was his first message to uh, his people, the Jewish nation. Hey, the, t- the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe uh, the good news. The creed is not just someone's interpretation. This is why Christians have affirmed it for 1,700 years. That's a long time. If I'm going to reject something, I'm at least going to give it, a, give it a con- con- some consideration that most Christians throughout most of the history of church have affirmed this. It contains the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Number two, real faith is a fight for godliness and grace. Look at Jude 4 again. For some people who were designated for this judgment have come in by stealth. Look at this. They're ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ our only Master and Lord. So the real faith leads to the exact opposite of what we're reading right here. Real faith leads to real godliness. It leads to uh, understanding the grace of God and making an impact in your life. It always leads us away from ungodliness. Ungodliness is basically just doing your own thing. It's just doing your own thing. And ungodliness makes sin look normal. right? If you're a godly person today in our culture, you're going to look like an alien. You're, you're going you're to look like someone from another planet because because we, we live in an ungodly culture that makes sin look normal. I'll give you an example, All right? This is a simple example. Uh, we were watching a movie as a family, and at the, the story made you the whole way through want this couple to get back together, right? And at the end, there's a possibility that the couple uh, might get back together, and uh, man, they really pulled on your heartstrings. They had they had the, uh, the scene, you know, and the, and the music and everything. And it made you want this couple to get back together. And uh, one of my daughters said, No, what are you doing? And here's why the woman was already married. So the movie made you want adultery to take place. That's like one of the big 10, that's the, big ten the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't cheat on your, your spouse because it's ungodly. But it sure looks normal in our culture. Real faith leads to real godliness. How does that work? The creed tells us that Jesus, look, I'm going to put it up here. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. We'll have a whole week on it. Uh, The third day he rose again from the dead. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus suffer and die and rise again? Well, he didn't do it because we're all godly people. He did it because we're ungodly. We are sinners in need of a Savior, in need of salvation. Uh, Look look at uh, Romans chapter 5, verse uh, 6 through 8. For while we were still helpless, we were helpless to save ourselves. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. See, God saves the ungodly. And he does this only through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus that we can be saved. This is why we believe in Jesus. This is why we confess Jesus. This is why the creed says, I believe in Jesus Christ. Because he alone saves us. And that's why we trust in him. One, one of the ways the, the Apostles' Creed was historically used uh, was when people were coming to get baptized. They would be taught um, Christian, the Christian faith before they got baptized. And during, at their baptism, they would be asked, do you believe in this God? Do you believe in this Jesus? Do you believe uh, in, in the Holy Spirit? Here's why, here's why the the creed three times says, I believe, because Christianity does not start with, you must do. Christianity does not start with, and is not about, um, uh, I do, but it is about um, what God has done for us. It is does start with something that you must do. It starts with something that God has done for you a long time ago in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we say, I believe. I believe in the facts of what he's already done. I believe in the truth and the reality of this God. We believe that someone else had to do something for us to save us. While we were helpless, at that time, Christ died for the ungodly. God did that, right? We believe that someone else had to do for us what we, we did not deserve to be done for us, and that is the death of the Son of God. We believe in the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has accomplished our salvation and our redemption at the death of Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the dead. And some of you here this morning, you need to say, along with every other Christian for the past 2,000 years that you believe, is today your day? Is today the day that you say I believe, and I'm going to turn away from my sin. I'm going to I'm going to repent. I'm going to believe that I cannot save myself. I'm going to believe. I, I'm going to come. I'm going to believe today that I will stand before God to give an account for my life. But I'm going to believe in the good news that Jesus died for the forgiveness of my sins today. Do you need to believe today? Because today's because that judgment is real. Christ is going to return and return any moment. Are you ready for that? You need to repent and believe. Uh, today. Real faith leads to a life of real godliness and grace. It starts with saying, I believe. Look at Jude verse 4 again. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come into the church by stealth. They are ungodly. Look at this. Turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ our only master and Lord. Now, notice here, these people come in. This is how it's slick, right? Because they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. They, they, they twist it and turn it. They turn uh, the grace of God into a license uh, from God uh, to live however we want. Uh, me and my girls, we watched uh, the movie uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Visually amazing. Visually, it was an awesome uh, movie. Really like the first one, but uh, anyway, how my story is supposed. to go. One of the Scenes is where Miles Morales, the Spider-Man, says, "Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go." He says, "Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing." And man, what a great little picture of our culture, right? No one is gonna impose their authority and their story upon my life. Don't be imposing that that old dusty old creed on my life or that Bible. Uh, all my life, or that church stuff, because I'm going to do my own thing. I got my own story that, I, that I'm going to create, and that is the definition of sensuality. That is that right there. That is sensuality. Sensuality is doing your own thing, and listen, here's, here's what I want to encourage you with. The grace of God is better than that. The grace of God, uh, God has something so much better for you than doing your own thing. The grace of God sets you free from the jail cell of doing your own thing. You just got to ask yourself, if that's your mentality, no one's going to tell me what to do. Uh, I'm gonna, I, I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying up there, Ricky. Well, well, what's go, how, how's it going in your life? I'm just saying there's something better for you. Right? You can't keep rebelling against uh, the God who is there, the God who is real, and expect things to, to go well for you. The creed says there is a true story out there. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. See, this, this, this God is the eternal God who has an eternal plan of redemption, and he's working that plan out, every single detail of it, in the world. There is a true story that encompasses your little life. Right? Your life is a part of that, one way, one way or another. You can't get out from underneath of it. And you know what? That's a good thing. God's grace is not a license to do your own thing, free from all consequences. Doing your own thing leads to all kinds of consequences that God warns us about. See, God's grace is not a license uh, to do your own thing, free from all of God's commandments. God has a lot of directions for us. Turn left. Don't go that way. Go go this way. Sorry. This is my left. That was your left, right? Uh, Don't go that way. Don't go down this path. Do this. Don't do that. And those are good things. Those are God's grace for us, to us. Look at this beautiful passage, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Look at this. I love this passage. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now, what is that talking about? What is this grace that has appeared, that has brought salvation to all people? I love love the way that it's describing Jesus. Right? In his birth, Jesus' life, his ministry of teaching and miracles, his death on the cross, his burial, his death, his resurrection from the dead, that grace of God has appeared. This gift for which we do not deserve, for which God is not demanding that we pay him back, other than to praise him for it and thank him for it. Ungodliness. Now look at what this grace does, training us. To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. See, God's grace sets you free to renounce ungodliness. Do you see that? The grace of God has appeared. It instructs us. The grace of God is, is like a drill sergeant. The grace of God is like a, um, you're being trained in combat. Right? And in combat training, I would imagine you're being told this is exactly what you need to do. Right? These are these are the parameters that you need to follow. All right? In boot camp, you've been taught this is the way, this is the way you gotta fold your bed and, and, and make your bed and all that stuff. The grace of God is like that. It instructs us to renounce ungodliness. See, and God's grace does that at the beginning of your Christian life, all the way to the very end. It is his grace from the beginning, uh, beginning to the very end. It's Makes us into the type of people who deny godlessness and worldly worldliness and live sensible or self-controlled lives. That's that's what it does. That's what the grace of God does. The word "sensual" back there in uh, Jude chapter four just means um, a lack of constraint. It can be hard to constrain yourself at times, isn't it? Something within inside you, right, says, "Man, I really want to do this. I really want," and it's hard to keep that down, uh, keep that, uh, Just kill that thing uh, in your life. There's lots of things that God says, hey, you need to do that over there. And we hesitate, we disobey, we doubt, we fear. It's hard to constrain yourselves, ourselves. And here's how we don't do. Uh, understand the grace of God. We don't do it by gritting our teeth. Uh, just got to try harder. I got to work harder for God to please him, stay in his good graces and all that thing. No, you fight by believing. This is the the whole topic of our sermon here. It's having real faith. We fight against ungodliness and sin in our life by going back and remembering the cross. Remembering all that God has done for us. Receiving more and more. Going deeper and deeper into the depths of God's grace in Christ. See, that grace has appeared in the world. It brings salvation to all people. And that grace puts you through a boot camp you see that the grace of God is what instructs you it's not the judgment of God right it is not the condemnation and 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 fear whatever it is no it is the overwhelming grace and mercy of God see if you understand and you know the depths of God's grace what is it that you wouldn't do for him I heard a pastor say one time, when you understand, truly understand the good news of the cross, you will call out to God and you will say, God, command me to do whatever you want me to do. And that is the heart of a true Christian. If you truly know how much God has done for you, what is it that he can't tell you to do? Lord, tell us to do it. It is our desire. It is our heart. It is our passion to do, um, do his will. Another way the Apostles' Creed has been used throughout the history of the church has been to train Christians to disciple Christians, to teach them about the amazing grace of God. and Just think about that. Just think about it. This creed has been used for for almost 2,000 years. I mean, there's people in churches that have been hearing this for 1,700 years, and they've been hearing this over and over again, I believe, I believe, I believe. See, that is teaching you what the Christian faith is all about. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, that we keep on keeping on. Uh, in the Christian life. Every time you hear the creed, you hear the words, I believe, ringing in your ears from people who already believe it. You got to think about that. That is teaching you what the Christian life is about and how you make progress in it. I already believe Jesus 20-some years ago, but you know what? I still believe I need the cross. I still believe in God the Father Almighty, I still believe in the importance of the church. I still believe in the Holy Spirit. I still believe he's coming again one day. There's a guy named uh, Peter Kreft. He's a Christian professor at um, the uh, uh, Boston College. And he says, "In an age that has thrown off all tradition, the only rebellion possible is orthodoxy or stuff like the creed. The essentials. Of Christianity. We live in an age that throws off things like the creed. We live in an age that throws off tradition and any type of of authority and any every other story that would seek to constrain our ungodly hearts. Believing, I believe, is the only rebellion left. So I say we rebel. I say we rebel with every Christian, almost every Christian that has lived the past 1700 years, that we keep believing. We keep believing in in the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who has accomplished our our salvation. We keep believing in in all these these things. Let's continue to believe in Jesus, not just today, this afternoon, tomorrow, but until Jesus Christ comes from the right hand of the Father to judge the living in